Hello and welcome inside a brand new episode of How She Did It. Amanda Smith here. As always, thank you so much for joining us on the show today and you may already know what I'm going to say next. If you haven't already, after this episode is over, make sure you hit that subscribe button. That way you never miss a new show. This was such an incredible episode to record and I am so excited for you to listen to it. Joining us this week is assistant coach with the NBA's Los Angeles Clippers, Natalie Nicasse. Take a listen. So, you know, we are going to get into your extensive coaching career and your playing career, but first and foremost, how did you find basketball or maybe how did basketball end up finding you? Actually, my dad uh, was the main reason uh, I guess I found basketball. He is obsessed about basketball. He loves basketball, loves seeing it, loves playing it. And so, you know, he had three daughters. I was the youngest of three and he trained us like young little basketball players. So it was just something we did every single day as a family. We trained. We focused on it. I mean, we had a backyard hoop. We also had a front yard hoop. Like, we just had everything kind of laid out for us. And uh, it just became a bonding thing with my family and then also just with my dad. So his passion became my passion. I know that you ended up playing collegiately at UCLA. Uh, and I was reading the recent Fox Sports article that they wrote about you where you had an AAU coach tell you you would never play at that level. Why, even when you heard things like that, did you believe that you could? Because it was a constant, like, negative, I think, comment that I've heard, like, since I was really young. It was, you know, because I was my size, I'm not, you know, the normal average size of a basketball player. So I've I've always heard it. And so it was just something that I'm like, okay, you know, these are people that don't really know me. They don't know my work ethic. They don't know how much I love basketball. So it just became, you know, part of my growth um, through basketball when I was young. Is you hear something negative, then flip it and turn it, you know, into something positive and allow it to motivate you. So when I was 16, I think I was either 16 or 17, and I knew that's where I wanted to go. You know, he, he called me and he said, this is a bad idea. You know, you should go to UCI. You, you'll have a guaranteed spot there. And I said, no, my dream school is UCLA. Even though I had to walk on, I'm fine with it. I was going to be able to do it. And um, sure enough, I ended up being a three-year starter and a three-year captain. So definitely proved them wrong. And, you know, it's just, it's just part of, you know, my growth, I think. Past being a player, when did you maybe first realize that this game was something you could pursue as a career? Um... After college, I think I really realized, like, I love basketball. Like, I'm very passionate about basketball because in the summers, I would, like, train, like, double days um, in the morning and in the evenings, and I realized, like, I just couldn't get out of the gym. And so, <laughs> you know, just that that type of preparation and obsession with the sport, I started to learn, like, once I'm done playing, like, I, I have a feeling I'm just never going to walk away from this you know, that I truly am passionately in love with basketball. And so once I got hurt um, the second time with, you know, having like a tear in my knee, then I I knew like transitioning into coaching was was probably going to be my future. And it's the best thing, you know, other than playing. You're still in it. You're still involved. You can still get on the floor. So 
I'm just fortunate. I, get, I have a job that I get to do that I passionately love. So I'm very lucky. Let's talk about your coaching career. What, if you hit the rewind button, what first drew you into coaching and what was that first opportunity for you? I got injured and uh, that was the closest thing that I could do to be be within the sport. And so I was playing in Germany overseas and then I got hurt. And then the next season I was able to have an opportunity to coach professionally in the same league. I had a close friend of mine named Shada Zadie and she played at UCLA as well. And she you know, was playing at the time, and she said, look, she goes, would you like to be our head coach, or would you, you know, be interested? And I said, of course, you know, I'm not <laughs> playing right now, and, you know, and I jumped to the opportunity, and I was coaching, you know, a head coach of a professional women's team in Germany, like, the the next season, um, and so just, just things like that, it, like, it just happens, you know, you don't really prepare for it, it just, it just happens, and then when the opportunity knocks, like, you just have to be ready for it. It's kind of funny. I really relate to you, not in the sense of uh, being a coach now, but I had my own basketball-related injuries that kind of took me on a different path. And I always say, I don't know that I would have gotten into to broadcast had that not happened. I really just wanted to find a way to, to stay around basketball because, like you were kind of talking about, you know, I'm like, wait, I'm not going to be doing this forever. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, exactly. I mean, your legs, you know, your body can only do so much. And uh, once I had the second, I tore my ACL my freshman year at UCLA, and then I shouldn't have never done it. And this is to all the athletes out there, like, never say anything out loud. But I said, you know, if I do this injury again, you know, I'm I'm going to retire. And uh, I shouldn't have said it. <laughs> so we probably have matching scars. I've had, I, I did my ACL three times. So we're like twins. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. I did it once, and then the second time, it was my meniscus. And so, again, that was enough for me. So, God, that's that's amazing you came back. That's amazing. Yeah, eventually I didn't, though. <laughs> <laughs> well, because, you know. As we're kind of talking about, you know, this identity past just being a player, you obviously work as an assistant coach now for the Los Angeles Clippers. And I was reading that you first started as an unpaid video intern within the organization. Mm-hmm. How over a span of nine years have you been able to expand your role and now be an assistant coach? I think that's really, you know, what people say, you're a product of your environment. And so, I mean, I got hired by Vinny Del Negro. He gave me the first opportunity. And then, you know, I, I survived the, the switch of head coaches to Doc Rivers. I, had, I was learning under Doc for oh, eight years. Now I have, you know, Tyron Liu um, as a head coach, and then I had Lawrence Frank as our president now, who was our defensive coach while I did video. Um, so I have had great mentors um, who have, you know, championship experience. And I think, I don't know, I guess what I was saying before is, like, I, I never planned it, but it's just, like, I've been in really great uh, positions um, to learn but for them to to take the time to to teach me, you know, it's just one thing just to be in this environment. But um, Doc, T. Lou, Lawrence Frank, like they all take time to pull me aside and to teach. Um, but they also believe in me, and I think that's I think the biggest thing for me is as I as I move up, um, you have people that have been there, have been at the top, um, but they're also giving you their time and their effort. You currently work as an assistant, like we're talking about. Mm-hmm. But you want to be a head coach in the NBA. 
Why is mm-hmm. that your ultimate goal? Because uh, meeting people like Doc Rivers and, and yeah, Lou, like, you just like when Doc came to the Clippers and then actually Tulu Lou was actually the same. They came together. You, you just, I mean, I'm sure you meet people that you're just kind of like in awe and you're just like, wow, well, I, re- I want to be like that person. Um, you know, they just have certain traits about them um, that you just kind of relate to or you connect with. And for me, the way both of them as a combination or even, you know, individually, they're both great. They both have their own personalities to be a head coach. Um, I, I see myself in them or, you know, I also take a lot from them. Um, and so I think it, it was just that. I think it's just meeting people like themselves and, you know, also just meeting other head coaches. Like the ones that also shine light is, you know, Eric Spolstra, who started in video. You know, he's won championships with Miami. Frank Vogel, he started in video, who won a championship with the Lakers last year. Coaches like that as well that I've, you know, followed their path, you know, to get to where I am. When you talk about meeting people that you want to be like, as someone that people can look to as and for inspiration, what do you hope they see when they watch you coach? I hope they see me as um, a coach who's prepared. You know, I'm very obsessed with um, with preparation for every game. And in this league, with 82 games, this season being 72 games, you know, they're coming quick, but you have to watch a lot of film. You have to um, communicate a lot and think about strategies, both offense and defense. And I'm just obsessed with it. And I got that from both, you know, T. Lou and Doc, um, just being prepared for every game. Um, I want to be known for that because um, it's important. Like, because you have another, you know, coaching staff on the other side just doing just as much. And so, um, definitely being prepared for the game. Um, someone who's, you know, passionate about the sport. Like I said, I'm in love with basketball, but I'm also hungry to improve myself. I'm hungry to get better, to see the game, you know, to teach the game, and also just to communicate the game. So, um, and lastly, just I hate losing. So, just someone who's ultra competitive. Um, I can see it even, you know, with with Doc and T. Lou, um, like, they get pissed. Like, they're pissed after losses. And um, it's just the competitiveness that you have. And I think that's just part of our DNA, like, growing up through basketball. So That's kind of what I was going to ask you. Do you feel like there is anything that you have taken from being a player at an incredibly high level to now a coach? Of course. I mean, you can relate to a lot of these players that you teach and that, you communicate with every day on what they're going through. Like for me, I've been a starter. I've been a, a second unit player. I've been a person who didn't play at all. Um, I've been a player who had to try out, you know, for being in, in a professional league and understanding like either the celebration of making it or the disappointment of not making it. I mean, all these experiences allows me to at least see a little bit of insight to how these guys are feeling. Um, because you have to know how these guys are feeling. You have to consider, you know, what emotions they're going through and what they're going, what they're trying, like, thinking about on a day-to-day. I think that's really important. What is maybe a word you would use to describe what you feel like coaching is? One word? Yeah, one word. I know. This 
There's always gift coaches. You can you can pause for a second if you need. <laughs> oh yeah. I would say impactful. I mean, I think it's like anything. If you if you think about being a parent or being a teacher, right? I mean, I'm sure you everyone could re- relate to that. That someone in their life, you know, that was their mentor or a teacher, and the same thing as a coach. Like they were impactful in a part of their life or maybe, you know, their whole life. And um, I take that with a lot of responsibility at the same time. Like, you know, you're put in these situations to teach these young boys, you know, to help them be one of the 500 athletes, you know, in, in the NBA. I mean, that is hard. It's extremely hard. I'm, I'm sure from the outside people think, oh, you know, they're just really talented. No. Like, these guys put a lot of time a lot of effort, a lot of mental preparation um, every single day. And I think um, for me to have the opportunity to coach and be impactful for them on, on a daily basis, I think that's really special. To not just, you know, have this job, but to have this job for an extended period of time. How have you been able to have this sort of longevity in your coaching career? I think... Again, I'm passionately in love with basketball. Like, if you, you know, called me tomorrow, we would still be talking about basketball. Okay, yay. It's all I do. It's all I wake up, I watch, you know, basketball on TV. I talk about it. I text people about it. It's, you know, I, again, I'm, I'm lucky. I'm lucky to find a job that I'm passionately in love with. And so it doesn't really, you know, feel like a job. Um, so I'm very lucky in that case. And then secondly, it's, um, it's a motivation to win championships. You know, I haven't done that yet. I haven't experienced it. Um, but like I said, uh, T. Lou, he's won a championship with the, with the Cavs. Doc Rivers won a championship with Boston. And when they describe the experience that you go through after winning it, they call it, um, they call it a blood transfusion that goes through your team and your staff and that you will be bonded for life. And when I hear that, you know, I just, I get goosebumps and I'm like, man, I want to experience that. Like, I want to know what that feels like. I want to have a connection with our team and, you know, our staff for the rest of my life. I think that's just an amazing thing. And also just to say that you're the best team in the world, you know, for one season, I think, I think that's amazing, and so I think that's the motivation, you know, along with being passionately, like, in love with basketball. I cannot wait to watch that happen for you. I'm Just know whenever it does, wherever I am, I'm going to be screaming. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe you'll be with me by that. I mean, who knows? Maybe oh, you don't cut me like that. <laughs> you got my hopes up. Now I've got, I've got dreams to work for it. Huh? Yeah, remember, you got to say things out loud, and you got to be careful of what you say. From you we're know, manifesting. From yeah, exactly. Exactly. Is there anyone besides? I know you've talked so much about Doc Rivers and, and Ty Lu. Is there anyone else that you kind of look to for inspiration within coaching in the league? Oh, I have a I have a ton. Um. I mean, you know, going back to Eric Spolstra um, and Frank Vogel, 
it was crazy just because it was just literally like a, a call or a text away with those guys um, that allowed them to just, yeah, what, what do you need? You know, what advice do you need? And I, I just couldn't believe it was, um, I guess I can't say that easy, but, you know, they were, they were willing. And, um, you know, they advised me to um, stay the course, you know, keep your head down, stay the course, um, stay loyal, and just work your ass off. And they said, don't worry, things are, you know, things are definitely going to work out for you. And I, I just think, you know, for them to give me that time and, and uh, their advice, I thought that was you know, really special. And another person that has really um, grabbed on, like, kind of connected to here, and she's not she's not a coach. She's actually um, our president of basketball operations, Gillian Zucker. I believe she's the only woman president of basketball operations in the NBA. She was hired, I believe, five years ago. Um, so I was here before her, but she is a beast. Like she, she runs um, the whole show on the other side of the basketball part. And um, she, like I said, I asked her, Hey, can I, you know, can we have a breakfast? Can we have a meeting? Can we have coffee? She said, yeah, sure. Right away. And I walked away from that first meeting, just like inspired, motivated, um, just based off of her level of preparation. Like, I remember her just saying, you know, I have a meeting. This is before we hired Jerry West. She goes, I have a meeting with Jerry West. And I was like, okay, great. You know, what are you going to do before the meeting? And she goes, well, I read his whole, this whole book about him last night, you know, about his life. And I'm like, what? <laughs> like, I was telling Gillian, like, you know, you have, Google, you have Google now. Like, you could just Google his name. But she read a whole book, you know, and that's just her obsessiveness about preparation, about wanting to have, you know, um, knowledge about his experiences that she can communicate with him, you know, for her first conversation. And so I was just, you know, very impressed by her. So I'm very lucky, you know, to have a lot of people and a lot of good mentors around me. You know, as we're talking about people who have shared their advice and time with you, you're in the middle of basketball season. It could have been so easy for you to say, I don't have time to do this kind of podcast. But why did you want to? Why did you say yes? I think it's important number one, especially for women like yourself to have the interest and um, wanting to do this and wanting to share people's stories, like you said. I think that's the importance of this of this podcast. And then secondly is just so people understand that this could happen. You know, if, if other women want to coach in a professional league, whether it be NBA or, you know, NFL, and MLB, like that this could really happen. And you just, you know, need to work extremely hard, um, find really good mentors, and just be a willing learner. And, you know, if I could help people, you know, through that, then great. And then maybe if, you know, people that of, of higher up that are hiring and they hear, you know, my process or my, my journey, then maybe they'll, they'll be more open to hiring more women. I think that's the biggest thing is can we create more opportunities for women in, you know, the sports industry. You're incredible. I am so sad. Our time together is coming to an end. I, I like, <laughs> this is my favorite part of the show when we start getting to that, that period where it's like, oh, I'll wrap it up. <laughs> before we go, I do have a couple of fan questions that were submitted for you. Okay. So, first up, we've got Brian. 
And they say, when you are on the road, which NBA arena is your favorite? Oh, my goodness. This is a, that's a tough question. Oh, <laughs> that's a tough question. They are all very unique. Okay, I have two answers just because they're so the, – uh, only I would answer it this way, I think, is okay. OKC, OKC because it's, like, renovated, and then their women's locker room was, like, amazing. <laughs> so I just give uh, kudos to them because it was – it was amazing how it was laid out. Um, so just respect to OKC. And then um, and then Boston. I mean, Boston has so much history, and you feel that crowd. Like, you feel it. You, you're getting hated. Like, as you're, you know, warming up, you're hearing, <laughs> uh, you're hearing all the passion that they have behind Boston. And um, you can't, you can't, you can't replace that. So it's more, I think, the environment, but also the fans in Boston. That's a tough arena. They got costumes. They got, I mean, they, and then just the creativity, you know, of what they do. And it's just, I mean, like, what you know, when you warm up, you have an opportunity. The fans have an opportunity to be there. And in Boston, they are there. That's the beauty of sports, you know. It brings out, you know, the competitiveness, competitiveness in people and just a community. Yeah, I love that. Um, so next up, we've got Taylor. And they would like to know your favorite athlete of all time. Oh. <laughs> okay. It's going to be tough. Yeah, I, gotta, I have to split it. It's just how it is. Um, Magic Johnson, <laughs> um, growing up, you know, I grew up in Southern California, so I was a Laker fan through the Showtime era. Um, I loved it because he made his teammates better in a fun way. You know, he always was smiling. He is very charismatic. And I just enjoyed that he loves giving assists because that's just how that's how I play too. Is I like to make my players, um, my teammates better, and just to have fun. And then you know Michael Jordan, just his competitiveness, his his competitiveness to win championships. That's all he wanted to do. Um, whether it's him locking up on defense, you know, or making the the game winner. I mean, he wanted to be the guy in big moments and was willing to take, you know, those chances um, at the end of games. And I think that's uh, very inspiring, very um, motivating. Like, I was so obsessed with them. They were up on my wall, and I even, like, wanted my calves to be like – I worked so hard on my calves just to – because I thought if I did that, I would jump as high as Michael Jordan. So I did a lot of, I did a lot of weird things. But, yeah, those were my favorite. That's incredible. I love that. <laughs> Uh, last question on this show always comes from me um, because I think that, you know, as we're working to accomplish our goals, it's really easy to always have our, our mindset on, you know, what's next and that next goal, which is great in achieving it. But currently, what is something you are proud of yourself for? Hmm. I think I'm proud of myself, you know, for staying true to myself. Um, I think, I think I'm, I would say I'm the only, um, female coach that had, had gone through, you know, the video route and I just, you know, take pride in that, that, you know, I looked and I realized, Hey, look, I didn't play in the NBA. Right. So that's just, you know, it's one avenue that, um, coaches take is, you know, they played in it. And when, 
I didn't play, I realized, okay, I got to do something else. So that's when I read, you know, about Eric Spolstra, about Frank Vogel, and how they got their foot in the door through being an intern video coordinator. And I was like, okay, I could do that. And, um, and follow their path and follow their, you know, their way of, of moving up, you know, through the ranks. And I think for me, um, staying true to um, what I saw was a different path or a path that, you know, once was created um, to head coaches that won championships, I thought that um, that kind of fit to who I was, you know, that you continue like they advised me. Just put your head down, work extremely hard, and stay loyal, and things will definitely progress. And I think that, for me, um, is what I'm proud of. Natalie, this has been so much fun. Thank you so much for agreeing to come on the show, and I cannot wait to watch you one day get that championship ring, and maybe I'll be there, like you said, you know, manifesting, (laughs) putting that out there right now. (laughs) There you go. See, we just have to say it. Thank you so much, Amanda. That was really cool, and I I appreciate your questions and your your insight. I can definitely tell you you did your homework, and that that shows how, how great, you know, of a, I guess, do you want me to call you a reporter or what? Is, oh what's my gosh! Thing? Sure, that works. Whatever you want. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, it just shows how much you know you prepared for your um, for your show and how much you know this means to you. So thank you for that. Thank you. You're thank really you good. for saying that. Oh yeah, you're really good. <laughs> oh my gosh, I can never hang up the phone now. So we're best people. We'll just hang out. We'll yeah, this is what happens. Is I is I'm like, if you come on the show, just know you have a friend for life. <laughs> <laughs> That's cool though. That's really cool. You like to talk hoop, so you want to talk hoop every day, any day. I'm on board. Yes. That's what I'm saying. Well, it kind of goes back to what you were saying. Is like, I never want to waste someone's time, you know. But mm-hmm. I want to just like give them a place where they can share a little bit about about their story because. I think it's important to kind of how we were talking about, you know, talk about your experience and hopefully make it a little bit easier for the next person. Yes. And, you know, just let them know, like, this could happen, you know. It could happen to anybody if if they're in love with it. Like, it helps, obviously. Like, if you're not in love with it, then it's going to be difficult, you know. Um, And is all your podcast, is it all women? Yeah. Wow, that's cool. Yeah, that's really cool. So, yeah, yeah I, I was telling Natalie, this has been about a little over two years now that I've just been mm-hmm. able to share stories. And my and it's like everyone's story is so different, mm-hmm. which is the best part. Wow, yeah, yeah, that's cool. So you're learning a lot then. Oh, I, I feel like I learn something new every time I do one of these episodes, you know, oh, just yeah. from getting yeah. started to listen to someone and their experience and how they have navigated chasing their dream. And it's not mm-hmm. some straight line of, well, I want to do this, and then you're there. You know, it's it's not linear by any means. I think that that's, for me, one of the most inspiring parts. Yes, everybody's journey is different. So you can't just, you know, like say, I'll just do this, and that's what, that will happen. No, it's it's all different, you know, but that's what makes it great is everyone's different. And this is how Natalie is doing it. Yeah, she joined us on how she did it. She's out here doing it. And I cannot wait <laughs> to see 
see all of the incredible things coming your way. So you've got a friend and a cheerleader for life. And thank you so much for joining me. Oh, thank you. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it, Amanda. Guys, thanks so much for listening. For Natalie Nakase, I'm Amanda Smith, and we'll catch you next time on How She Did It. 